This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where, if as we've instructed people to do, and I use the word, I don't use the word instructed lightly, uh, if everyone goes to zupans.com and signs up for the news feed, a very special offer this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, my birthday weekend. Ooh. Uh, buy one halibut filet, get one free. Free halibut is uh, is something to write home about. Uh, well, happy birthday to you, Chris, and all of our listeners. So we can call this the uh, Chris Angeles birthday special at your local Zupans with that uh, Alaskan halibut. Yeah, consider it a treat from me for my birthday. <laughs> you mentioned the uh, newsfeed, Chris, and as you mentioned, we have uh, instructed people, we have implored people. Uh, to become, uh, you know, a, a subscriber to the newsfeed because you find out all sorts of great things, you get uh, great deals, and one thing you should know about that is now available in your local Zupans is a great new product, Mitch's Best Buffalo Sauce. Now we don't always think of the Pacific Northwest. We don't think buffalo sauce when we think of the Pacific Northwest, but Mitch's Best Buffalo Sauce was created in Issaquah, Washington. It combines the creaminess of ranch with a gentle cayenne kick, which sounds like the perfect perfect type of uh, buffalo ranch for me. It's got that creaminess so that you know, as a pasty white redhead, it just doesn't burn my mouth. Well, that's nice. And you know, it's time to get outside and eat that stuff too. Yep. It's mm-hmm. a little nicer now. Also, uh, if we're talking about great experiences, Mother's Day is coming up and Zupans can help you create the best Mother's Day possible with great food and meal kits for Mom's Day. But also as Anyone who goes to one of three locations for, of Zupan's knows uh, their floral department is just spectacular with lots of beautiful arrangements, beautiful flowers, and of course, knowledge that is beyond compare. So uh, certainly suggest that to make, because there's nothing that's going to make mom happier than a beautiful arrangement of flowers. Yeah, and if you want to go beyond that, you've mentioned this a few times. I've mentioned it a few times. It, when it comes to like special gifts, uh, Zupan's Markets is a great place for you to go. They've got all sorts of things that you might not necessarily think of uh, displayed all around the store that would be the perfect gift for the mother in your life. So three locations to serve you. You've got West Burnside, Lake Oswego, McAdam. And then, of course, if you need some details, if you need some information, you can always go where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And on the other side of the Zoom is Court Johnson of lots of fame. I think first and foremost, Court, you'd like to be known as a great family man. Sure. I think that that is probably where we'd go first. Before we go to the consummate radio professional and voiceover person sure um yeah I, I can't i can't thank you enough for being so professional getting us through this pandemic um and still having a podcast that i'd say 90 percent of the time sounds good now yeah and 10 percent we can't control nope can't can't control those internet sometimes yeah 
So, hey, Chris, before we, we get into our episode, I do want to ask you, because it's actually been a while since I've asked you about this, but uh, I, I referenced Portland Food Adventures, uh, and it's been a little, little harder for you to pull off the Portland Food Adventures, but you do have some trips going on, right? I do. Well, we moved everything from 2021 now to 2022. And by everything, that's not actually, it's not everything. I'll explain that in a second. But all our European trips, which would be two trips to Spain with Javier and JL Canteras of Urdaneta. There's two versions of that now in the spring and fall. And we have room for in both of them now because we've had a couple of people shuffle around between the two dates and uh and we just have a, a little space and we have a quite a bit of space for our and it's surprising but because we've changed the date twice now uh for our trip to italy uh more specifically western sicily with my dear friend austri ensign um, and uh, we'll be doing that trip in the fall of 2022. So check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com because that itinerary is going to be fantastic. But you'll also see there two sold-out trips this summer on the Snake River with the folks from Canyon Outfitters. One is still sold out with Jonathan Gill from Ringside Steakhouse floating down the river with him uh, July 4th. However, we have an incredible trip with Leif Gildersleeve from Flying Fish Company, August 7th for four nights. Um, and two spots just became available for that. And I was going to look forward to doing an email to my Portland Food Adventures people about that. But if someone wants to be a podcast listener and has interest in those last two spots, it's going to be pretty incredible. You can look at CanyonOutfitters.com, I believe, or PortlandFoodAdventures.com to see some of the details. Contact me uh, through the um, contact form on Portland Food Adventures site, and we can take care of two more spots. Um, that will complete our guest list at 16 down the river. And Canyon Outfitters has been doing this for 40 years, and they're fantastic people. Okay. Very nice. Yeah has been said now let's talk about the podcast and jill taylor of burgerville uh she is the ceo and who better to be a ceo at burgerville one of the northwest food icons than someone who started her career as a nurse wow that that she started her career as a nurse and sh today she's the ceo of burgerville yeah, she explains that journey, which is kind of what, you know, Right at the Fork is all about, right? That's why we named it. Somewhere along the line, she took a right at the fork and became CEO of Burgerville. But one of the reasons I was most curious about checking in with her was, uh, well, first of all, I'm a big, I'm a fan of Burgerville. I love what they do and how they do it. Um, but second, they're in the midst of, you know, they've had a challenging time the last year, having to pivot, pivot, pivot. We've heard a lot from that, a lot of that word in the last year. But also, um, there are a couple of other things going on in the burger world, and that is Shake Shack's coming into town mm -hmm. and stepping a little into their territory, as is In-N-Out Burger. So I wanted to hear her perspective on that. And then also, uh, lately we've been hearing lots and even on this podcast with Mike Aldridge um, a few months ago about smash burgers. And so uh, what I didn't know, and of course, from the you learn at least one new 
thing every day. Uh, Burgerville has a smash burger. It's a number six. So um, it was nice to catch up with her. We'd never met. Um, and uh, I thought an overall very interesting conversation. So, Chris, as I'm thinking about this, I love the fact that we I, this might be the first time we've had a CEO uh, be part of our show. I, I could be wrong on that. But I, I and I love, you know, talking about Jill as the uh, CEO of Burgerville. But I would I, there's part of me that really wants to actually call her the mayor of Burgerville. Doesn't that make more sense? Well, that's because it's a ville, right? It sounds yeah. like a town. Sure. Burgerville. Yeah. She's the or mayor of Burgerville. I guess. I mean, she. I assume that both she and her marketing and PR people are listening to this. So we'll let them take that. Something to uh, think about. As they wish. Sure. Yeah. And do what they want with it. I have a feeling it sounds a little bit too much like uh, like that big chain and what they do with uh, with a guy by who goes by the initials of RM. Sure. Not that we don't talk about them in this podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, they're rolling. They're rolling. Anyway, their, yeah. They're rolling their eyes at me right now. Is what's happening. Yeah, well, that wouldn't be the first time, right? Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but no, it's uh, very interesting how she came to be the mayor of Burgerville, uh, how that uh, that journey occurred, and anybody listening to this podcast, I will. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna create a spoiler. But uh, they'll hear how that happened. So they will hear that in the interview, Chris. But we should point out that they won't hear about the fact that Jill was just named one of Nation Restaurants News 50 Most Influential Women in Food Service in 2021, which is pretty exciting. So uh, almost as good, maybe, as uh, as mayor of Burgerville. I don't know, but uh, pretty exciting news to be added to that uh, list. Let's get right into this interview with Jill Taylor, CEO of Burgerville. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022 to Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. And by... Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. Whether crafting cookware or cooking a meal, attention to detail can elevate the everyday into something extraordinary. Finex pays attention to detail to bring you inspiration and tools for a lifetime of meals and memories. Make the everyday extraordinary. Find out more at FinexUSA.com. Thank you so much, uh, Jill, for taking the time. Yeah, you bet. This morning, I really appreciate it. I know you must be busy. I don't think you. I don't think I would bet that the pandemic hasn't given you really much of a break from your uh, from your jobs from your daily rounds. No, it really hasn't. You're right with that. We uh, we have all kinds of things, both uh, 
dealing with what we needed to do to, to take care of things when COVID started, then keeping our employees and guests safe. And that's an ever evergreen thing and an always thing during this year. And then looking at exactly when are we coming out of the pandemic? Right. <laughs> uh, and what happens then? Well, and I guess it's a crapshoot for you because there was no manual on how to deal with this. No. And, then, you know, I feel we're I'm friendly with a lot of restaurateurs in Portland and not that they can control their environment very well with their customers. But you've got a broader audience that you have to deal with when it comes to masks and how they're going to comply and how they're going to listen and want to listen. Yes. Uh, that's been challenging, too. Yeah, it has been challenging. You know, first of all, just seeing our fellow uh, restaurant people either survive or not during COVID has been a big deal. So we know that our uh, fellow restaurateurs have been hit pretty hard. And then uh, to keep our own people safe uh, in, in this thing, you're right, there's no manual for that. And uh, when somebody uh, has a positive test, we have a whole protocol we go in and make sure we've cleaned everything and the person goes on quarantine. So it's been, you know, and then the impact to um, how the schedule is that day or what we, what we need to close the restaurant for a few hours to get it cleaned. And it just has been a crazy, crazy path. And I think mostly we're grateful that we, um, well, we closed the dining rooms. We had to make that decision, obviously, to close the dining rooms and and then beef up our digital business. And that, you know, that's a, that's teaching and training and developing people in a whole different way. Because and those are things that if you had done it in a non-pandemic time, oh. I know big. You know, you're not a giant corporation, but a fairly large. You know. Yeah regional corporation to, for an initiative like that, that's something that you would have decided on. And then it would take a year for someone to come up with a basic plan. And then by the time you implement it, three years to get yeah. there and you have oh, to yeah. do it by next week. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, we lost 40% of our business in three days and within a week we had to re recreate a business model and then get people, I mean, we'd been working on one. So the fortunate thing is we'd been working on one. And so it, it, it's right. We were in a test, test mode. Um, and then pan, the pandemic came and we were like, okay, well, this looks like this is how we're going to do it. So here we go. And within a week, you know, we had to retool and get people in different positions and of course furlough people. And that was difficult. That's how I understand the vaccines were developed. They were, they were initially in test mode for Ebola. And then, okay, now we've got the model. Let's, let's move forward with this. So yeah. we're all in uncharted territory. And you know, I'm sure it was uncomfortable for you to even close a store for a few hours because you didn't know in the beginning, right, last yeah. a year ago, how people were going to react. Like, is this place, is this contaminated for should I not go in there and now yeah. we're learning it's not I don't I, I don't know but I don't think it surfaces as much as airborne yeah. so we've learned that yeah we've learned that but in the beginning you're right we didn't know and so we literally would close the whole restaurant down bring in a cleaning crew get it clean and then get it ready to open back up and 
course, we found out along the way we didn't have to do it quite so drastically, and but but still had to create uh, protocols. So you're right; it's it's all it's all people's impressions too, right? Whether you really needed to or not, you have to you have to sound like you are going above and beyond, and that is That's for sure. isn't that kind of the the image, the brand image that Burgerville has going above and beyond, because to get to your position, you've had to do that. And so when the dust settled on all of it, did you, and I may be wrong, because I'm often wrong on this podcast when I throw a hypothesis out there. (laughs) But when when the dust settled, it would seem to me that Burgerville was, again, you know, versus a lot of our fine dining restaurants or fast was fairly well positioned to endure the the short term and and certainly with this yeah we were we were surprised to find out that um once once we closed the dining rooms that more and more people would come through the drive through and so we um you know started to work on getting that more more flowing and more smooth and not backed up and you know, all those things I'm thinking of your Tiger location, which uh, I've been stuck in a parking lot a couple of times because I can't back out. Right. And that was before the pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot that you had to take into account so that you could do business and not turn away customers who were turned off by the wrong things. Exactly. It wasn't necessarily about the burger and the Blackberry shake. It was about yeah. how long are we waiting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, we we are still working with that because now with digital, you know, once in a drive-through, you can, it's a kind of a linear thing. Somebody comes, takes an order, you get it, you move on, next person comes, you take an order, you get it. But with digital, those, those orders tend to come in all at once. And, and so how the kitchen starts to pace itself and work with that, we've had to kind of relearn some, some, uh, some flow and some flow, what they used to call floor control in a dining room. Now it's more like the flow of orders coming in, raw material getting cooked and our product coming out in a timely way for the guest. That's got to be, you know, I really hadn't thought about that because, uh, uh, you know, the the restaurants that were doing kits and pickup, they can kind of control it by saying we're sold out. Yeah. Um, That's we did everything and we did a good job. You can control a little bit the timing of drive-through. Right. There's a pace there. But, yeah, you can't control at all the pace of everything coming in digitally. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, uh, we've invested in some different uh, digital tools. So we now have a flyby app in which once you order and you use that app, it tells the rest, the restaurant can tell you your food's ready and you can tell the restaurant I'm on my way. So the timing of it can get better. Um, we started a, you know, a, what we're calling Localville. So, uh, a, you know, a loyalty reward program that enables us to actually get a little more information and be able to, again, do that timing about how do we, uh, when do we throttle uh, digital ordering because we're overwhelmed and, and hopefully we're not doing that as often as we needed to in the beginning so that um, the guest doesn't get frustrated or like, oh God, I'm going to go someplace else. Um, you know, dealing with all that in this pandemic has been super challenging, 
we feel like we've made some inroads. Uh, There's still some challenges we have, like in the higher volumes in certain restaurants where it just uh, like it, the drive throughs backed up and it's inundated with, with digital, um, there's still more flow to create and keep people safe and, um, and so forth. And, you know, one of the challenges now is getting enough people hired. I think it's not just a Burgerville issue. <laughs> no, not at all. So, and you have, you don't have a choice in the matter. I have, you know, one friend in the business who, uh, was closed for a while and he couldn't open for a month after he wanted to open because he just couldn't find a good enough cook to hand uh, one. I know. <laughs> so how's that, how's that going? For, how do you do that? You've got multiple stores. You've got yeah. a lot, you got a lot on your plate or your, or your takeout container, whatever it might be. Right. But how do you, how have you been able to deal with that? Because you have to open. Yeah. Yeah, you have to open. Well, you know, and some of our supply chain uh, compatriots are feeling the heat on that as well. And we were just in a conversation with some of them and they're saying, what are you guys doing? Here's what we're doing. Um, so it's a, it's a real issue. We're doing job fairs. We're going out on TikTok. We're, we're looking at our compensation and benefits, which have already been pretty good. Um, we train and develop our people uh, in leadership and, and in uh, life mission because we're a mission-led company. Our mission is serve with love. So we've had to look at all of our benefits to even get them up higher. I mean, it's part of what we're committed to anyway. So it's not like, oh, horrible thing to do. It really is, oh, great. Here's great opportunity to do that now. How do we do that and get that communicated well? So, well, it was enough of an issue, and it was an, it was a noble uh, concept to try to up what you do for your employees. You know, before March of 2020. Now let's take. Hey, you're competing with uh, people who are able to do to not work yep. and make two thousand dollars a month minimum. Yeah. Uh, uh, so how do, I don't I don't understand that equation, and that's yeah. why it's been so difficult. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, it is. And you know, do we we can't afford to wait until the end of when people don't get stimulus checks anymore? And of course, we wouldn't wish that they don't get stimulus checks. So how do we start to negotiate with the folks that we would love to have work for us who are saying, "Look, I I'm good, thanks." <laughs> So we're, you know, our marketing team is working, our HR team is working overtime to really get people hired and, and all, you know, the whole process. And there's still more to learn about this. I mean, the whole um, economy is changing. Frontline workers really are, are now able to, to say, here's how I'd like to do this. And here's what I'd like to get paid. And here's how I'd like to work. And, you know, good on them. Uh, it's time and just getting it figured out so we can uh, get all parts working toward the same thing. That's what we're in the middle of. Well, yeah. And this whole pandemic has been a lesson. And once you get it figured out, it changes. <laughs> so, so I can't expect that you're going to get it figured out. And as we're talking, it's not that I haven't given thought to someone in your or to restaurants. But as we're talking, I realize what, you know, here, here are the benchmark for 
McDonald's workers was $15 to get them $15 an hour. And that there was this push and pull. That's not realistic. We can't do that. We can't afford to do that. Well, you must do it. I'm getting, I don't want to ask, well, maybe it would help you to say what you're paying, but I imagine you <laughs> might be happy to pay someone $15 an hour now and, and, and raise, I think you can raise prices a little bit to cover that. People will understand. But anyway, that's, I, I find it interesting that there was this benchmark for so long that seems yeah. so hard right. to reach, like reaching Mars for yeah. fast food places. And now well, I think you've hit a really, actually a really good issue because I think we're having to look at our whole business model to be able to pay livable wages instead of wages that are just temporary. Cause you know, our industry has changed from, it was just temporary work and you had a, a salary that you could come in and there were some full-time people, but we had a lot of, it's changed. It really is almost like a career. And so people expect to be paid a different salary. So how do we create a different business model so it's not just always raising prices and handing it off to our guests and our customers? We're in the middle of looking at that. Like, what 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 will this take? And it'll no take a yet, to just, that out. Yeah. So I'm curious. So that's that's from your business standpoint. You're running the company. That's yep. great. But when I look at your your bio, and you were <laughs> studying to be a nurse. Yeah. So what, <laughs> did, you know, did they, did, were you taught anywhere along the way how to, you know, maybe a nurse pandemic, that's a mix, but <laughs> you certainly, no one ever gave, you know, suggested you take the course on how to sell burgers. In right. The middle, no. In the middle. So, so I want to talk a little bit about how you went from studying to be a nurse to sounds like consulting with yeah. And then they obviously made the choice that you knew enough to hire you as CEO. However, had you been a CEO of a company before? And was this something that was uh, trial by fire? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I worked as a pediatric nurse in many different hospitals. I was a traveling nurse for a while. So I I think my last hospital job was uh, Los Angeles Children's Hospital in the intensive care unit. And as I was working in different hospitals, cause you know, when you work with children, you work with families, you, you don't separate them. And so you really are working with a whole family when the child is sick at whatever, whatever condition. And I just started to feel like we needed to be further upstream with some of the issues that we were seeing come through the hospital if we really wanted people to be well. And I, that's when I started to work with my mom. She was a, excuse me, she was a psych mental health nurse practitioner and she had a counseling practice. And uh, I, then we put, put in together and we started to do work for companies in which we did leadership development and um, what it is to be productive and well and in service with an intention uh, to help people get, to the place where they could, sorry, live their lives um, being well and doing what they love to do. And that if people could do that, they would, they would not need the hospital as much, that we actually could do more prevention and less um, taking care of kids in the ways that we have to in the hospital. Um, I had 
one five-year-old child that I was having to take blood from. And in those days, nurses drew the blood and put in the IVs and did all that. And um, he just looked at me with these big brown eyes and said, do you have to do that? <laughs> you know, for whatever reason in that moment, it got me. And I was like, no, they don't actually understand why I have to hurt them. And I have to hurt them so I can see what's wrong with them. And that's part of those things, those kinds of experiences, what had me say, we could get further upstream. We could actually support families and, and their health and well-being in a different place. Now, how that led to a burger company? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, we did in the company, so my mom and I put a company together and, you know, as you're pointing to, they don't train nurses in business. They train nurses in care and they train nurses in how you, you know, respond, how you assess a patient and then how you work in partnership with the doctor to take care of them, but they don't teach you business. So uh, when mom and I first started working together, we, we, we're putting a wellness clinic together. This was um, back in the late 80s. And um, we were fairly naive about how to do that. And we were putting a wellness clinic in an athletic club. And, uh, you know, how people paid for it back then was different. So that's when I actually started to say, um, uh, we just we lost that business because we just couldn't couldn't see how to get it paid. So I learned about business. I had to go take classes. I had to go look at um, how you create a cash flow, how you put a business plan together, how you. So I you know I worked with financial people and business people to really get an education as we created another business. And Burgerville became one of our clients and we did a lot of their leadership development and a lot of innovative projects with them. And so when they reached a place where they um, had to work through some of the breakdowns that had happened, um, they said, hey, uh, why don't you come in temporarily and help us get through this rough spot? Because, you know, some of our management had changed and some of the issues were were important ones for the company to move forward. And that's when I, you know, I had to look because I had my own company and was uh, developing a second one. And I, I really had to look pretty closely at why would I do that? Um, and, <laughs> and it wasn't, if, if I'm guessing you're talking about what, four or five years ago when there right. was labor issues that, that Burgerville was mm -hmm. dealing with? Mm -hmm. Yep. About 2017 is when I came in. You got to like a challenge. Yeah, it was a challenge. And I, I knew because I'd been working with Burgerville, their commitments to the community, to their employees, to the local suppliers. I mean, Burgerville supports a thousand family farms. That's a big deal um, for uh, the quality of life that we have and the quality of food that we get to consume. So I felt like it was important that um, Burgerville continue forward and, and be able to navigate through some of the very difficult places they were in. And I came in at the interim. I, I had a business advisor who, had, who was working at Burgerville as well, and we partnered to move things forward, and uh, we made it. 
hit several other crises along the way. We had a cyber breach and, you know, there were, there were things that we were plagued with for a while, but it um, trained us. It prepared us to know how to move through crisis. And so at some point they said, why don't you stay? And I said, yeah, because we're not quite through things yet. Um, so I did. And, and then the pandemic happened <laughs> and uh, we had to quickly, like I said, move things to a new business model. And I, that kind of tells the story very, very briefly about how I got from a pediatric nurse to running a burger company. And a, uh, and a pe- pediatric nurse, I'll point out, who was talking about making sure that kids were going to be healthier looking down the road. Yeah. And so now you've got to <laughs> you've got to align that with eating burgers and french fries. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and welcome on board to the Right at the Fork family, a great new sponsor, Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Yes, we're delighted. And the reason we're delighted is because, you know, having been in advertising for years, I just love the fact that we have a podcast and we have advertisers that we truly believe in. Anybody who's listening to the podcast knows some of the others that we talk about every week, and they're near and dear to our hearts. Well, so is Finex because, Court, I think you uh, agreed, and I did too. It's almost every day for the last few years, ever since we acquired our Finex cast iron skillets, that we've been using them. Daily. Every single day, there is a use in my family for our 12-inch cast iron pan. And they still look great and they're easy to clean. And one of the things I like best about this cast iron, and I wasn't a big cast iron user before this, once in a while for some kind of casserole, but I'm frying on this every day, is the smooth surface. It is unlike anything you've ever seen in a cast iron skillet. And of course, that's one of the features that caused Finex to bring cast iron to the fore in the cooking world in the last few years. It's not that it hasn't, cast iron hasn't been around for years, but now it's really become the thing and Finex is the premium for, as they say, Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference and that couldn't be a truer statement. One of the things I love about my uh, 12 inch skillet Chris is not only is it awesome and versatile you can do so many things with it it's like a work of art it's just a beautiful piece of iron and uh, to know that it was you know that Finex is based here in Portland and in fact I was just reading it takes 12 hours and 12 hands to create these beautiful pieces of again artwork and great cooking material yeah I leave mine right on my stovetop because it's no reason to put it away. No, it's great. I use it all the time. No I'm lazy. Reason. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think you're lazy at all because I do the exact same thing. I want people when they walk into my kitchen to say, oh, wow, you have a Finex. Yeah, they're great. And there's a reason over this past year when I've been watching a lot of chefs like Gabriel Rucker and others doing their home cooking demonstrations on Instagram, you, you're always going to see them cooking in Finex. Yep. Uh, here might be the best thing about uh, when you purchase a Finex product is that all Finex products are guaranteed good forever. Can't beat that. Yep. Yeah, no, you can't beat that. And that's a pretty confident statement and business proposition for them to make. Mm-hmm. So find, find 
all their products at finexusa.com. Is if you're looking back right now, would you take the job again if you uh, knowing what you know now? Boy, that's a really good question, Chris. I'm going to have to say yes. I would do it again. I don't think you can say no. I'll give you that, but Yeah. <laughs> There are a couple of things I'd probably do differently uh, with hindsight, but I would definitely do that again. Well, that, that is, uh, you know, you've learned a lot. So who, you know, and you're young, so who knows what your position to do? (laughs) Right. And so do do you have a, you know, do you feel like, you know, it's a world where people don't necessarily stay in one spot forever. That's right. Uh, Especially now. I mean, I just read, a great article in the New York Times where gig working is just becoming the thing. I started that in 1995. So I feel like, okay, I, I wish yeah. I could have done a seminar on it. Right, right. these days. But, um, <laughs> so do you see yourself, you know, 10 years down the road doing the same thing? And um, what do you feel like you can accomplish? Yeah. Uh, when you get beyond this, what is it that you would like to accomplish for the company? Yeah. Well, Getting Burgerville on a growth trajectory again is really, I think, my major thing. And doing it, like you pointed out, doing it in a climate of uncertainty and unknown, um, where we're going to have to try out new things and we're going to have to uh, open up more innovation and more prototyping and explore. That's part of what I'm, I'm up to now is how do we how do we, so we're talking to different investors and we're looking at how do we grow. And because of Burgerville's commitment to the region, we really are looking to grow differently. And so we're looking to expand into the region, uh, but not necessarily expand in the traditional national way that most of the big brands do. Because I think what you start to skip over is the kind of intimate relationship you can have in a region in which you're working both with the quality of the food and the, the, the farms and the producers and the processors, and you're all in it together for the health and the well-being of that community, which is why, you know, we went into the uh, grass-fed, grass-finished burger on our menu that really is about Uh, scaling up regenerative agriculture, because that is one of the things that we really do have to do together as businesses to solve climate change. I mean, let's face it, uh, we're in climate change. All of the, many of the things we're experiencing now are about that. And, And so I'm working to position Burgerville more as the healer that it is, and less of being a parasite. Most it's probably pretty strong language, but in business, we've created issues that, that are, are of our own making. And, it has and sometimes not of your own making. I mean, right. one of the advantages that you have, and I want to get to Shake Shack and In-N-Out and all sure. that, over yeah. them is you've been here. Yeah. So you, you're dealing with at least, well, a pretty vast clientele. Right. They know the, the nature of the Pacific Northwest clientele. And so, you know, one of the challenges I would think for Burgerville is you're kind of on that, you're kind of on the bubble there where you could, you're small, but you're, you've been successful and people can view you as a big corporation. And in the world, that's a no, no. 
Right. So not, not for everybody, but there are a lot of people that automatically say you're the bad guy because you're big. You, yeah. you have corporate decisions, your corporation. Yeah. So you got to balance that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, given our commitments and who we are and the kind of impact that we've been able to have just by how we do business is what is what we're looking at. We haven't done a good job of telling people what we're doing. We've been antibiotic-free and hormone-free since 2004. We have, uh, we have put offsets in place since 2006. And so we're 100% renewable energy because of the offsets that we've invested in. We, all, we started recycling our, our fryer oil back in 2006 for biofuels and helped scale up a biofuel business. We don't necessarily talk about those things. That's why we don't probably have a lot of money like the rest of the companies do, because we're actually investing it back into the community. We're actually very committed to be a better place for us to live and being a good neighbor. And, and spending money, marketing money on the things you're talking about yeah. is pretty close to branding. And when, and when you've got onion rings in from Walla Walla um, and you've got to sell those. Yeah. The, you know, you have to have a certain budget to be able to do branding. And then there's, there's wonderful corporate branding where you just put your name out there, yeah. you know, behind home plate and people see your name, but there's this other issue you have of the stuff that people in the Pacific Northwest, they care about, but yeah. they don't necessarily sell a burger tomorrow. But as a, as a guy who had an ad agency for years, it's important because it sells a burger for a long yeah. period of time. If you can communicate those things and people have well, a choice yeah. to go somewhere or to Burgerville, then it's not so much the, the Burgerville sauce, but this is a good place to go. I feel better about myself for going. That's, yeah. and, and believe me, I need to feel better about myself when I go to a burger. <laughs> Right. So I'm going to eat onion rings, which I love. Then right. I need to know it's it's doing more than just putting an, an extra size on my waistband or something like that. Right. But it's going to be increasingly more difficult to put aside funds to talk about what you've been doing since 2004 properly. Right. right. Um, because now those funds have to go to pay someone to flip the burger. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, um, it's a little bit challenging. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, how you f how you react and what you think about Shake Shacks of the world and In and Out infiltrating on a territory you've had. I know that's right. For, right. And, and, you know you can, even uh, you know McDonald's and Burger King those aren't in Portland per se. It's right. hard to find. you have to look pretty hard to find those. Can yeah. you know compared to other markets? But so you've had a pretty good lock on the we're the good guys for a long yeah. time. Good people. Sorry. Right. Right. Um, right. So how do you feel about that? How are you dealing with that? Well, um, we have always been able to distinguish ourselves from any competition that's come into an area um, from a local, our mission of serve with love, um, our commitment to the community and the things we know about the Pacific Northwest. We actually really do welcome competition. Um, because it, it certainly has us be up on our game more and be able to talk about who we are. I think we'd love to be able to see uh, a kind of cooperation in, in the 
not saying Shake Shack or In-N-Out is that way, but in, in terms of the health of our region and why a business would come into the Northwest. You know, we grew up here, like you said, we have a unique understanding of the area. We support our local economy. And every time one of the national guys comes in, that's money that actually leaves the community and goes down to California or out to the East Coast, even if it's supporting jobs in the area. So, you know, I, I welcome it. I think we're pretty good, well positioned. And of course, we have our work cut out for us, as does anybody really at this point. And it's, it's not only them. And, you know, I think of that In-N-Out store down in Kaiser. Yeah. I, you know, my girlfriend lives down there. And I still, to this day, I'm driving by and seeing lines that I won't wait on. Right. So, and I've been to In-N-Out, so I don't need to do that. But, um, and then you know when Shake Shack comes, just like yeah. when Chick-fil-A came and yep. who else came. I mean, just, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, it'll be crazy. And they're not going to, they, they're going to have well-positioned PR people to, to sing the Northwest song, but they're still not going to reach out to you and say, hey, what can we do together? That's not going to happen. Right. No. So, um, but you've also got, um, you know, food trucks and smaller businesses like yep. mention them. I don't know how you feel. See, it's a it's a whirling thing that you're allowed to talk about competition and say we love them. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I think of uh, we've had Micah Camden on the um, on the podcast a few yep. times. He built uh, Super Deluxe. Super Deluxe, yep. Which I, I've always felt. Man, if you're waiting online in an In-N-Out Burger, leave that line, yeah. drive up to Portland, go to Super Deluxe, and maybe go to Burgerville. But yeah. at least if you want that new thing, yeah. go to Super Deluxe, and you'll get back to Kaiser before you would have gotten it in the first place. Yeah, so, that's right. But, so you, you, those are your considerations also, but you can't do anything about them either. And I bring them up because all of a sudden, it seems like during this pandemic, I mean, I'd never heard of a smash burger before five, mm-hmm. five months or weeks ago. Right. That's what I'm hearing about now. And I've had one and it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's not the kind of burger I thought I would like. I was always a thick, rare, yeah. Maybe, yeah, one inch thick pub burger uh, with yeah. just ketchup and cheese. But they're pretty good. And so there's that too. But do they put a crimp in your business or do they help? Do they get people thinking about burgers? Uh, I think they, they get people thinking about burgers. You know, the great thing about people in the Northwest is they'll go try out new food and new restaurants and and experiment with things. And I think that's great. And it does get them thinking about burgers. And we love that. I mean, we have our own version of a smash burger with our number six, which is the grass fed, grass finished. And so I think it, it, it in that way, I think it has this kind of cooperate, meaning you have this quality of product and people are loving it. Let's see what we can do and we'll bring on our own quality product. And then you might like, it'll be this sort of back and forth that happens. And um, we look forward to that. We, we, I mean, the thing we know about us is all of our food comes very close to where we are. So it's fresh. It's uh, you don't have to worry about it. It's taken care of. It's safe. It's secure. It's, it's, delicious food. So I feel like we have some uh, parts of our brand that are distinguishing ourselves from what they do or who they are as well. Yeah, I don't think you have to. Of course, it's always 
cool to hear the new thing at Burgerville. And, right. and um, you know, you know, it's going to be good and worth trying. Right. I've always felt that if yeah. anything that comes up, I want to I want to at least try it. So you don't necessarily, though, have to you. You have a story. You can say, hey, listen, these guys can come in here. We've been doing this here for right. a long time. So. Right. Um, Right. But that still requires getting a, a share of voice. Yes, and it does. Voice when it's when there's um, you know online articles about lines around the block. You, it's kind of hard for you to develop that same kind of PR. Uh, and I give it to your PR agency because they they have things to work with, but they don't have that big advantage that Shake Shack now. You're going to, you're going to, you know, I assume you have to have some thick skin because you're going to be looking at that for a, yeah. quite a while, right? Those long lines. Yeah. Um, so have you, have you tried a Shake Shack burger? And um, I actually have not. I have eaten salt and straw ice cream, which is, I know one of their companies uh, and love that, but I I've never had a Shake Shack burger. I've never been anywhere where there's been a Shake Shack like I haven't gone up to Seattle in this year of pandemic. You're not traveling that much. So I haven't been to Seattle to, to try it out. And um, I haven't been to Super Deluxe. And so now I'm curious to see because I hadn't heard of the other two you mentioned. So uh, I. I'm oh, gonna... Mid-City mid Smash Burgers. Oh. And I, I hope I'm not. <laughs> I hope you're not. Uh, thinking, oh, he doesn't need to mention those. But Mid-City Smash Burgers is not going to get in the way of Burgerville. And, mm -hmm. and he's doing well. We had him on the podcast. But I was at uh, a Shake Shack. You know, they got a pretty nice advantage at City Field in New York. I'm a Met fan. So uh, there was my opportunity. Cool. Yeah. So, and also JFK. Um, they're in the airport there. So uh, there's that. And then In-N-Out Burgers, I was just floored a few years ago when I went to, it was in California and went to an In-N-Out Burger and waited online. And the McDonald's was across the street and had zero, absolutely zero people. Wow. Uh, just thought, wow. What, and, and a lot of it is hype because honestly, there's things about McDonald's that aren't terrible. Right. Uh, right. I, I know that's blasphemous for me to say, but uh, our friend Gary the Foodie pointed out their uh, deluxe if you order their deluxe burger, it's made fresh. By the way, McDonald's, what about that? What are your, have you, do you ever go to McDonald's as a, as a matter of research? Mm. Um, well, we have people in the company that definitely go and try food and see how it tastes and look at that and bring something back and look to see where we need to go. Mostly where we spend our time is working with our supply chain, like, how to showcase what you've got and make it the freshest, best tasting offer that we can, that we can create. Cause we, we do feel like the strength that we're going to continue to play to our strength, but not be blind about what we might need to do or where we might need to go. Cause you know, it's time for Portland to grow up a bit and have other competition come in. I think that's great. Yeah, no, I, I bring that up because you weren't the only one scrambling in the pandemic. And I'm, uh, I will, I will uh, shamefully admit to being a uh, sausage biscuit and coffee guy where I live. It's really easy. I can actually get over there and back in my garage in five minutes with what I want. So that's good. Uh -huh. But I will say that McDonald's had to... Uh, move on the fly too with all their mobile ordering and all the options, too many options. Yeah. And that app is just bad. 
Yeah. And so they had to move it. They had big jobs to do to get that yeah. thing. With all the, so, the size that they are. Yeah, it just doesn't work properly. So I guess I was what I was asking whether I'm sure you have people in the company who test that out and say, here's what they're yeah. doing. Well, we can learn from this. And yeah. that's not there because we, they're not doing that well. But as the CEO, I'm just curious as to how much you get out and try those things. I assume when pre-pandemic, I don't know exactly where you live, but I assume you got to enjoy a little of the Portland food scene. Yes. And I'm also curious as to, you know, how deep into burgers and onion rings you go. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I do love our onion rings. I would say that I is my too. favorite one. Um, and I have to say that the number six burger really had me come back into eating more beef. I, in my life, um, food has been, you know, both medicine, uh, celebration, comfort, all the things that we do when we gather with food around family and friends. Um, so I loved to go check out other restaurants and see what they were doing and see what their food was and, and uh, how they would present it. And so, you know, I went over to, I think it's Dickie's Burger. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm I'm mangling it badly. So, but it, what is it? Maybe I can help. Um, I want to say it's it's in Southeast and it's Dick's or Dickies or not Dickies. Oh well, Dick's is in Seattle. I know is there's. <laughs> I know what you're talking about over yeah. Tacoma. That for a long time had a good reputation. And I I find so often that the places that people are chirping about that are so great aren't. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they just like they get this momentum of it's cool to like it. And that, there it is. But to each their own, you know, yeah. everybody's got their own preferences. Um, but yeah, so uh, it, you got over to try that. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, and I love I love lo local little restaurants that are little gems in different communities. So I love Nostrana's over off. Um, over in Morrison, over in that area, and Andina's up in the Pearl, and that little Mexican place in Capital um, Verde, Cochina. Oh, Verde Cochina, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I like Ricardo's in Lake Oswego. It's a little Italian place with a great wine list. And so I, I, I have loved that Portland got pretty foodie pre-pandemic and all the chefs that we had and the different foods, Bricks Town. I'm going to point out to you that you're fairly old school. Those I restaurants that you're mentioning, and there's nothing wrong with that. They've been around for, for a while. A yeah. I moved here in 2005. Those, I think that's when Nostrana opened, actually. But other than Nostrana and Dina, Ricardo's, mm -hmm. those places are, they're not, they are what I think of as the Portland food scene, but they, they have to be mixed with the Urdanettas of the world, <laughs> the Oxes. Have you been to Ox? If you like yes. meat? Yes. I, I'm not a huge meat eater, but I've been to Lardo's and Ox. Love it. Yeah. Good. What did, do you remember anything about Lardo? I'm only asking because I think it'll be fun to tell Rick what the CEO of Burgerville enjoyed <laughs> most about his restaurant. That's all. <laughs> well, I think one of our marketing people, I think the head of marketing is friends with uh, the, the chef over at Lardo's and, 
Um, I think we did some things together. I can't remember the name of the. It's okay. They need to have you for a chef witch um, someday. They do a, you know, they do a a sandwich of the month and, uh, and they give to charity, which I think would be. Uh, I love that. But I would I'll, love that. I'll suggest you try their bun me. So bun me, okay. Try that. It's really good. Um, so anyway, and if we if we see a bun me show up at Burgerville in the next two years, I'm going to be calling you for royalties on that. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so I don't mean to dissuade you from doing it, but that's, you know. Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. Yes, we can't wait to get back in because, of course, the governor has indicated they must close again their indoor dining on Friday, which, of course, sucks for Ringside and everybody. But Ringside is well-versed in taking care of you, whether you can if you can't dine in. Uh, they have meal kits and lots of to-go things. So if you check their website, you'll most likely see what options exist for uh, dining with Ringside. And uh, one of the things you'll see is a meal kit for two for Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. It's just fantastic. Starting with two eight-ounce prime fillets, some prawns. Uh, of course, ringside steak seasoning, which you're not going to get anywhere else. Caesar salad, their roasted Yukon gold potatoes, grilled Washington local asparagus, and of course, chocolate lava cake. And you can you can multiply that by get a second meal kit for another two people if you'd like. Very nice. So if you'd like to learn more about the Mother's Day meal kit, order that meal kit, or just look at the to-go menu, uh, head on over to ringsidesteakhouse.com. Uh, you know, as we're coming out of pandemic, uh, I'm, there's going to be lots of opportunities to check out new restaurants or new offerings. And uh, I would definitely come to look to you to give me some suggestions about where to go, what to I, test. I've always loved doing that. To people I know, I can't deal with Twitter people that I don't know asking yeah. me, where should I go? I'm in town. Well, how about I know what you want? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. I'm happy to do that, but I have to say I've been fairly frustrated with that concept uh, because it's hard to know what's open, who's serving. I know. You know so I can't wait till we come out of the pandemic so we yeah. can get back to normal. The problem is that a lot of those places that you would have found just absolutely wonderful, you'd be heartbroken to know that they're not going to be open any longer. It's really really sad. We just learned this week that Notoguro, I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's, that's closed for good. And of course, many of um, John, John Forms restaurants will live on through different people, but the fact that they had to close Toro Bravo and all that. So those oh, are wow. they closed yeah, Toro Bravo. Wow. Toro yeah. Bravo's closed. And the other restaurants were purchased by other people but they're not john's restaurants but i'm sure people will do well with you know a franchise that's been around a while um but yeah no i'd be happy to help you and even sit down with you somewhere along the way that's we've never met before and we're meeting through this medium that we've gotten so used to now we can do (laughs) but but there's there's nothing like sitting down and um 
and enjoying oneself. Um, I think unless you have something else that you would like to communicate about Burgerville and what's going on and what people should look out for, I bet you there are. Um, I'll let well, you, I know you're busy. I would let you go. Well, we of course have our seasonal offerings. And so we're coming out with a summer berry shake and we have of course the coconut bliss offering. So that we have a new brand new, uh, sandwich, ice cream sandwich that's coming out. And all of our uh, limited time offer burgers are the grass-fed, grass-finished. So I would encourage people to try those out. And then Is that course, number six, grass-fed? Yeah, grass-fed, grass-finished, yeah. Good to know. And yeah. I didn't know about the number six. Yeah. Now I know about the number six. And when I feel yeah. like that, I don't have to go to one spot to find it or do a what a lot of people do uh, are crawls. So, um, and I would suggest the person responsible for these sort of things in Burgerville might want to look up Gary the Foodie. Gary um, the Foodie. Yes. Um, and uh, follow him because that guy is, does burger crawls like you can't believe, not only in Portland, but he's LA, San Francisco. He travels the world and eats. Oh, wow. That's and great. it's all featured on his Instagram. So if you go back over the last year, you'll see a lot of burgers. Cool. Uh, I wonder, I'll ask him whether he has Burgerville on there. I would bet he, I don't know. I guess he does. But he's always looking for the next new thing, too. This is a guy who wants to be the first guy online at a new place. Okay. So we'll check him he's, out. He, he's a good resource. And, uh, um, you know, so I would say he'd be a great consultant to anybody because he knows a lot. As a matter of fact, I believe, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but some big international food organizations listen to him. And so I'll leave it at that. But I also know that Portland chefs, when Gary says something, they listen. He's not your basic Yelp review that, wow. that they want to sort of listen to, but not really. Yes. But, but anyway, so he listens. It's a, Gary's been a part of the show on and off for a few years. He's going to be on soon. So I'll oh, ask great. him. Um, uh, again so um, and so what's coming up uh, the berry shake which berry because they change I know well this is a combination of Leopold uh, raspberries and strawberries and then blueberries from our table so it's a it's a multiple berry shake that's going to come out and we'll be heading into not soon enough I'm afraid but we're going to be heading into Walla Walla's uh, and um we just finished up our hop yard burger, but there'll be another coming soon. I don't yet know the name, um, but we have uh, some good things to look forward to. And I will give a shout out for because because there are some uninitiated here. Your lemonades, so your raspberry lemonade, your strawberry lemonade, um, I think are just fantastic. And for when I want to stay away from soda, I'm still getting a lot of sugar, but uh, but I'm getting, you know, real fruit in there. Yep. And that's, yes, you are. that's what's wonderful. And uh, the thing I like about the way you serve is that that's ready before, just before. It doesn't take a long time, but I get to enjoy that and, yeah. and nurse that a little bit before the, <laughs> the rest of the food comes. So it's one of the things Burgerville does so well. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm not making it up. I didn't just go to see what it was like 
because you were coming on. It's a place. Actually, it's the place my um, my son recommends a lot when we want to go out. Okay. To right. he, he likes to go there. Well, he's in his late twenties now, but he just likes the ease of that and the he likes the vibe. He's he's not really into the major Portland. Yeah, food but vibe. He, but he likes that it's not not pretentious. Yeah, and it's and it's not full of. Um, uh, I don't think you're not you're not going to see a lot of hipsters feeding you food there. You may have a few, right? It's it's not a hipster joint. It's pretty wholesome. Yeah. Your employee group is pretty wholesome, and they're hard not to like. Yeah, so, that's true. That's yeah, I, and uh, we won't do any greenwashing. So you know you'll get the straight scoop about our what we've done and the impact that we've made and the quality of our food. It's you're right. It's not pretentious, but it's it's uh, such great quality that we're proud of it. Great. Thank you. I sincerely appreciate it. Ah, thank you. I hope people um, not only write you to say you they, that they heard you here, but I hope when they go into Burgerville, you get lots of positive feedback because yes. with such a big business, I'm sure you get enough you can't control everybody saying hey they weren't open at 4 30 in the morning when i go so therefore one star <laughs> um, right yep so um but thank you so much for coming on i really thank appreciate you. it it's yeah. great to get to know you and i and i mean it sincerely when let, let's see if we can sit down at Nestrop anywhere yeah in the future I, i'd love to go to one of your favorite restaurants and, and check it out all right. Well, I've got a few. I and figured. I can't really check them out either. And I can't wait to get to Europe again. I'm just dying for that. So, and if you're ever out on the coast, I got a few good recommendations here. Right. Too, since I'm, I'm now living out at the coast. So, uh, and couldn't be a better, couldn't have been a better place to be during the pandemic. Yeah, than, I'll say. Than Manzanita. So, well, I really appreciate the opportunity to sit and chat. And thanks for the conversation. All right. We'll check in again. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right